Amen. Let's, uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 21 through 35. Uh, you can find that in your pew Bibles on page 1527. We'll also have the words on the screen for you. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it find that their debt to God has been forgiven. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This is a question that we have been exploring over these past four weeks. And it was a question that was spurred on by Jesus to into his fourth major discourse in Matthew's gospel. And now today we, we've reached the culmination of this teaching, where we see another question being asked of our Lord. <clears throat> a question that needs to be answered. But before we jump in, let's, let's remind ourselves of what we have learned thus far. Three weeks ago, we, we saw that, that we must become like little children to even enter the kingdom of heaven. That we must put off the, the, the world's notions of greatness, notions of power, notions of might. And instead, we must put on humility. We must realize that, that we are helpless and needy. And that only God can rescue us from our sins. And then two weeks ago, we learned that that such humility, it it must shape us as a people. 
molding us into hospitable servants. People who will welcome in all the other little children who, whom God has invited into his kingdom. We must demonstrate hospitality by helping our brothers and, and sisters to navigate all the, all the different stumbling blocks that the, that the world sets out there to trip us up. And then last week, we, we learned from our master how to go after his lost sheep, those who have, who have stumbled, particularly in unrepentant sin. And we learned that it is through compassion that we will win them back. At first, we are to confront such sin privately in an effort not to scandalize a brother or a sister. But if they refuse to repent, then then we are to bring in more and more children of the kingdom until finally their sin is laid bare before the whole church. Of course, we don't do these things out of spite or to seek justice for ourselves. Rather, we, we do this for the sake of the one who has fallen that they might turn from their sins and turn towards Christ. Of course, Peter and these other disciples were already familiar with this process as this was similarly practiced in the synagogues. And because these men had such familiarity, they, they also had time to form opinions concerning the practice. This is... The, the, the spark of, of Peter's question that we find in, in verse 21. A question that delves into the limitations of forgiveness. And it will be our focus for today. For, for it is forgiveness that is this last essential trait of kingdom greatness. Let's look again at verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, How many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Peter sees a problem with this type of discipline. He thinks that it's too lenient. He he worries that that there, there will be some who will abuse the system. That they might sin over and over again asking for forgiveness each and every time. Now, many of the rabbis of Jesus' day had a way of getting around that problem. They, they, they taught that, that one should forgive a man up to three times. And then after the fourth, there is no forgiveness. And this was what followed in what was followed in many of the synagogues. They established limits on a community's forgiveness. And so I'm sure that that Peter thought he was being very, very merciful in his questioning. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Sounds generous, does it not? In fact, when you you think about it, this number seven in the the Jewish mindset is very symbolic. It, It represents completeness. For in seven days, God created the heavens and the earth. And so for Peter, I imagine that to forgive a man up to seven times would would be a demonstration of complete forgiveness. But how did Jesus answer him? Look at verse 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. 
what is Jesus doing here? What, what is with this number 77? Basically, he was taking Peter's number and, and expanding upon it. Not seven times, but 77 times. This is very reminiscent of what we read earlier in Genesis, is it not? Of the stories of Cain and, and Lamech. If you recall, it was Cain who, who sought the mercy of God after he had killed his, his brother Abel. Look at, look at Genesis 4, verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Well, it was Cain's great-great-great-grandson Lamech who also killed a man. And listen to his words, Genesis 4, verse 24. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech, 77 times. Lamech's point has nothing to do with math, but, but everything to do with hyperbole. He uses this number 77 as a way of indicating that, that, that God has an endless supply of vengeance. He was saying that if, if anyone wanted to get retribution on him, then they would feel the full fury and wrath of God. Jesus is, is playing off this story in, in his answer to Peter. He, he's turning Lamech's revenge into a principle of mercy. If God's vengeance is innumerable, then his forgiveness is even more so. By saying that you should forgive your brother 77 times, he was emphasizing to Peter, you should never stop forgiving. You should never give up on one of God's lost sheep. Remember, the, the goal isn't punishment or retribution. The goal is to win them back. But, but Peter did not have his mind set on winning his brother back. Instead, he, he just wanted to know how many times he would have to be stepped on before enough was enough. Let me ask you, when is it enough for you? How many times can you forgive a person before you, you start withholding mercy and begin to hold a grudge? What is the, the magic number before you say no more? How many of you have ever heard a little child say this? I'm never going to play with you again. <laughs> My wife just raised her hand. <laughs> you, you see, this, this child who says this, they, they have reached their limits of forgiveness. But we as adults do the same thing, do we not? Perhaps you have that, that person that you avoid because, because they have done you wrong. That, that person that you have defriended on Facebook. That person that you have cut off from your life because the mere presence of him infuriates you. 
What is your limit? But there is more to it than just forgiving a brother or forgiving a sister. For Peter, Peter was only looking at this from one perspective, one point of view, from the eyes of the one who has been sinned against. How many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Peter's not even thinking about his own sins. He, he doesn't even consider that, that he might need forgiveness. Jesus wants to change this mindset. And so he shared a, another parable with his disciples. A parable that gets to the heart of true forgiveness. Let's, let's look at this parable of the merciful king. Beginning with verses 23 through 27. Therefore, the, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. One thing to notice as we are going through this parable is, is how Jesus uses extreme dichotomies, uh, extreme contrasts, if you will, to make his points. In this first scene, there, there is both a king and a servant. One who has great power and another who has hardly any. The king is, is the guy on top. There is none higher in the land. When he speaks, it is the law. When people come before him, they bow low, showing him great honor. And, and such honor is not something that this king has earned for himself, but because of his title, because of who he is. And then we have this servant who, who has very little power. He is at the bottom of the ladder. He does not make the law, but, but has to live under the law that the king has decreed. And he does not receive honor based on who he is, but any respect that would be shown to him would have to be earned. A king and a servant, the one on top and the one on the bottom. Of course, this servant was in a bad way. He owed the king tons of money, literally tons of money. He had a debt of 10,000 talents. Now, in our economy today, this means nothing to us. But in Jesus' day, a talent was basically a bag of gold or silver weighing around 75 pounds. Think about that. That is 750,000 pounds of precious metals that the servant owed to this king. Putting this into today's terms, an ounce of silver right now is priced right around $25. While an ounce of gold is priced around $1,875. And so one talent of silver, that 75 pounds, would be worth... 30 grand. And one talent of gold would be worth 2.2 million. Now multiply that by 10,000. 
and you have a debt that is exceedingly massive. Either the man owed 300 million in silver or 22 billion in gold. Needless to say, whether Jesus meant silver or gold, these are absurd amounts for a lowly servant. And that is the point. What what was owed the king was unpayable. And because of this debt, this king ordered that that the servant, along with his whole family, be sold as slaves in order to pay off what they could. But even that would, would never be enough to pay off that kind of debt. Do you see the the dire situation that this man was in? This servant was under the judgment of the king and he could do nothing about it. Nothing except to beg. And that is exactly what he did. He he fell on his knees and and pleaded for patience and and leniency. He asked for time in order to pay everything back. Of course, the, the king knew that this could never be done. Not, not, that not any, even in a, a thousand lifetimes could this man earn enough money to, to, to pay that big of a debt. And yet, he took pity on his servant and granted him mercy. He forgave this man's debt and just, just let him go. The, the king was so gracious so kind that that he relinquished all that was owed to him and gave this man his freedom. Just like the sign that that, that Brian had had this morning. Freedom. The king is merciful. The king is forgiving. The king loves his servant. Which leads us into the second part of Jesus' parable. Look at verses 28 through 30. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Here's where we see the rest of this great dichotomy that Jesus has staged for us. Whereas before we, we, we had a king and a servant, we now have two servants, two men who are of equal standing. Neither one is superior to the other. In fact, they are both at the, at the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. And yet the situation is is similar. The one owes a debt to the other. But instead of it being a massive amount, it it is a debt of 100 denarii. Again, this this means nothing to us. I mean, what is a denarius? Well, a denarius was a day's earning for a day laborer. It is what we would consider minimum wage by today's standard. Here in the state of Michigan, minimum wage is $9.45 an hour. Is it 55? Okay. I'm off by 10 cents. Forgive me. Um, Well, you multiply that by 
eight hours and you have $75.60 or maybe, I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, that's, that's the value of one denarius, about 75 bucks. Now say you worked 100 days. Then you would have earned roughly $7,560. That's not chump change. This is no small amount. And I'm sure that if, if any of you were owed that type of money, you would be looking to collect. And yet, when, when that is compared to the, to the 300 million or the 22 billion that was owed the king, it's basically nothing. Of course, this servant who was owed this money sought payment. In fact, he, he violently demanded the money by, by, by choking the man. But just like before, the, the one who was in debt begged for mercy. He, he fell to his knees and pleaded for patience until he could, could pay the money back. Sound familiar? I mean, that's exactly what the other servant did to the king. And, and though this money, this amount that he owed was, was weighty, I mean, it's $7,000 plus. It was definitely possible for this servant to make good on his promise. We're able to pay a debt of $7,000, at least I hope we are. And yet, instead of showing this man mercy, what did the lender do? He threw the man into debtor's prison. No mercy. No kindness. Only justice. Where the, where the king demonstrated pity by forgiving the debt, this, this servant showed no compassion. He had no forgiveness. And so we, we, we see this dichotomy between the king and his servant, the, the one who has power and, and the other who has none, the one who is owed a massive debt and the other a minor debt, the one who, who offers forgiveness to those who humble themselves and, and the other who only seeks justice, even when his brother pleads for mercy. Dear friends, I, I hope it is clear to you what Jesus is getting at here. Because of your, your sins, your, your debt to God is of an infinite amount. Even if you had 10,000 lifetimes of nothing but good deeds, it, it wouldn't be enough to cover over your sins. For the debt you owe is too great. And that is why you should forgive your brother. Forgive your sister. Not, not seven times, but 77 times. You should never stop forgiving. For even though you feel the hurt and, and you feel the pain from, from those who sin against you, for they are not light matters. I hope you caught that. That Jesus doesn't downplay the sins committed against you. That they aren't light or trivial things. A hundred denarii is a hundred denarii. And yet, even though you feel the hurt and the pain from those things, when compared to the massive debt that you have been forgiven, they are but bumps in the road. Now, you may be asking yourself, but, but pastor, how could that be? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the horrible acts done against me. How can my debt 
be greater than theirs? How can my sins be heavier? Listen, they they are only heavier because of who the sin was against. You see, when, when we sin against our neighbor, it is not only them that we sin against, but it is also against the one in whose image they were created. And so you owe two debts, one to your neighbor and one to God. And while the debt to your neighbor may be worth 100 denarii, it is your debt to God that is worth 10,000 talents. And yet God offers to wipe the slate clean. And he did so by sending his own son to pay that debt. This is what Jesus did for for you and for me as he hung from that cross, taking his dying breath. He he took your debt, he took my debt, and, and paid it in full, offering to us forgiveness. And when you understand this, when you understand the, the, the weightiness of your rebellious heart and the massive amount of mercy that was shown to you, then you will no longer get caught up by playing these comparison games. Rather, you, you will become eager to grant mercy, to grant forgiveness. In essence, that, that servant, he had rejected the forgiveness of his king when he didn't allow the mercy that he was shown to be reflected upon his fellow servant. And because of this, the king's offer of forgiveness was taken away. Look at the rest of our story. Look at verses 31 through 35. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. A man who truly understands the mercy of God will be changed by that mercy. You see, only a repentant heart can receive forgiveness. For it is the unrepentant heart that doesn't grasp how great of a kindness was shown to him, that doesn't understand the mercy of God. For, for if he had, he, he would have been so full of joy that he, that he would have just laughed off that, that hundred denarii that was owed him. He would have told his fellow servant, be at peace. You owe me nothing. But that servant didn't feel the weight of his debt. He did not repent. And that is why he lashed out at his, at his fellow servant. And as a result the offer of the king was removed. This is what Jesus meant back in in the Sermon on the Mount when he said this, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. For the repentant heart, forgiveness comes easy because they have already been forgiven so much. They have become like that little child, humble in spirit, knowing that it was only by, by, by their father that they have been rescued from their sins. And it is why they have a, a spirit of hospitality as they welcome in all the other little children, all the other little sinners. And it is also why they can demonstrate compassion towards these other children when they go wandering off like lost sheep, when they get entangled by the sins of this world. Instead of seeking justice, they, they try to win their brother back. They try to win their sister back. For they, they know that they too could just as easily become entangled. And they don't forgive them seven times, but 77 times. Because they understand that their Father in Heaven has never stopped forgiving them. Who is the greatest in the Kingdom of Heaven? The very one who has forgiven the most. Our Heavenly King. Let us pray. Father, we confess to you right now that we are not worthy of your forgiveness. It is only by your mercy that we are not cast into those eternal flames. Help us to feel the, the weight of our debt. That it is an unpayable amount. And let us remember that it was your son who took that debt upon himself when he died for our sins. And may your Holy Spirit renew our hearts as we seek to forgive both our brothers and sisters. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.